I'm glad you're here. Merry Christmas. We anticipate tomorrow morning to be another great morning where we anticipate what is to be given. And I think the reality of it is there are so many different ways in which we can see Christmas, the birth of our Savior, symbolized that it should be one of the easiest times to talk about the gospel. Just recently, I taught the TNT age group. That's our fourth and fifth graders in Awana. And we talked about all the various symbols and what they meant. Now, with each of those symbols, we know those symbolic things are not doctrine in most cases. The candy cane has probably five different origin stories. It's kind of like a really epic movie where it's kind of like, where did that character come from? Well, there's ten different reasons and seven different uh, backstories that go with the candy cane. But we know we can use the candy cane to share the gospel with people. We know we can talk about a wreath. We can talk about holly. We can talk about Christmas trees. We can talk about ornaments. There's symbolic things. But tonight, the one symbolic thing we want to focus on is that of a gift. I want you to try to think about your gifts. Now, I'm not sure how your family does it. Sometimes we wait till that morning. The Christmas tree is empty until Christmas morning. The kids wake up and come out and it's full. That usually is the best way to do it. Parents, if you have small children and you're curious, that is the best way to do it. Because we put them out last night, and I think I've heard the question, can we open at least just one? Uh, more than 100 times between each of the three of them. Because they're excited. They're anticipating something. I want to go before the Lord and I want to pray as we start to really focus on the gift. Just tonight, briefly, we look at the gift that was given by God. And what it is truly we celebrate tomorrow morning. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son. We thank you so much that you loved us so much. That you yourself were willing to take on our sin for us. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your Son. We sing, we glorify you, we talk of your name. I pray that we would live these next few days in honor and glory to you. This, type, this time of year is the time at which we can so easily be distracted, but at the same time we can be so much more motivated to talk about the gospel. Help us to see that here tonight. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't know what you got for Christmas. I know what my wife got for Christmas. But I think as you meditate on it, as you think about it, you can put yourself in the same spot that the shepherds may have been in. That for hundreds of years, they were waiting. Could you imagine? You don't get a present. You have to wait 20 years. Just tell your children that. Maybe in 20 years, you'll get a present. That would be frustrating. They would be waiting. They would be anticipating. They would be thinking, how great could this thing be? It would be awesome. I want to share with you three ways in which we take Jesus and we make more of him. Not just the symbol of a gift. You're going to get a gift and you're going to love it. Most of the time, you don't get a gift and you don't know what it is. Rarely, I would say rarely, it has happened. I'm sure you've gotten a gift and you had to ask, what does it do? What is it for? Are you sure this is mine? Uh, we have had that problem a few different times growing up when we would go to various people's houses. The gifts would get kind of forgotten about whose name was on what or 
one specific relative would always remember which shape of what box went to somebody until it was that night. And then it was kind of like, well, you open that one. And I would open it and go, I, this, this couldn't be for me. Uh, and it wasn't. It was someone else's. And we would straighten that out. And it was a, it's a fun memory to look back on. But it's extremely important that we focus on Jesus more than anything else this time of year because he is the most important gift ever given. Think of a Christmas gift. It's given freely. No one has to work to earn their gifts. They receive their gifts because they're loved. I so enjoyed it in the TNT class when I asked the question. I asked my son, Lincoln, why do I buy you presents? And I thought, uh-oh, I don't know what he's going to say here. And he says, Dad, because you love me. Well, that's right. All of you are going to exemplify the characteristics of God's love by giving gifts to other people. And when you do that, you're saying, I love you. But we look at so much more at what Jesus did when he gave of himself for all of us. The first thing we must do to make more of Jesus at Christmas time is to recognize who he is. See, far too many people think that Jesus is an option. Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was just uh, something, someone, great, good about these things, but not the only way of salvation as the Bible would lay it out. To recognize something. Think about your Christmas gifts. I think you can recognize a Christmas gift. It's easy. It has a tag on it. It has your name on it. It says to you, and it tells you who it's from, and it's wrapped. It's probably under the tree, or as ours might be, halfway through the living room as we stack them all. But it's for someone. You get it. You recognize it. But you acknowledge the existence. But you need to acknowledge the existence of who Jesus is based on what the Bible says. Because some of you have bought gifts, and you've thought it's the greatest gift you've ever bought, and you're going to give it. And I've done that. I thought, my wife didn't ask for this, but I'm going to get it for her because I think she really wants it. And she didn't really want it, but it was Christmas, so she said I loved it. But I know that she didn't want it, but I was doing what I could to think. I will do what I can to do what's right for her. But as we look at what Scripture says, we don't want to be confused in thinking that Jesus was given as an option, or he's the gift that we kind of turn to when we need something, or the guy that we pray to when times are tough. He's the one our lives are lived for. Colossians 2, 8 and 10 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. That's not a gift that's given that stays in your home. It's not a gift that's given that you say something about that is kind of like, well, he's the God of all rule and authority for Christians or for those who believe in him. In our first ministry, one of our, the, the pastor that I worked for there would always say, you know, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But then he would correct himself and say, God said it, that settles it. It's not a matter of do you believe it or not. It's a matter of what did God tell you? What does God show us in his word? The Colossian church has been poured into by Paul and explained that there's so many other things. Remember Christmas, there's so many other things going on right now. I stress every year. And I typically cause my own problems by waiting till the last minute. I have a list of things to go and get, but because it's two days before Christmas, everybody else already got those things. So if I would go sooner, which I say every year I will go sooner, this year I went a whole day sooner. And it was not as good as you would think. It was the same thing. But I did get everything I needed to get. 
But see, Paul explained it to the Colossians so that they would understand there is no room for doubt. There is no room for question. Jesus is the one. We look back at prophecy from Isaiah 7. The Lord himself, in Isaiah 7, 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, the easy thing to do tomorrow is just wake up, open your presence, be excited, and let things bring you joy. They should bring us joy to the point at which we look at our gifts, we recognize what they are, we recognize the extent of their value, and we say thank you, and we have joy, we have fun, we have excitement. Because if you remember, for those of you with parents and those of you that have little ones, you would open the presents when they're little, right? And you would spend hundreds of dollars on a six-month-old, and you're opening the presents, and you're showing it to him, and he's asleep. And you sit him up, and he falls over, and he doesn't know what you're doing. But then they get three years old, and they ask you 50 times a day, can I open one? Can I open one? Can I open this one? They start bringing them to you. They start bringing them to you and say, look, it kind of tore open a little bit. Can I just go ahead and finish this one? And you're like, no, we got to wait till tomorrow. But we look at what Jesus is according to Scripture, according to the Bible, and he's so much more. The gifts will point to Jesus as you teach your children, as you talk about family and friends, as you dreadfully go back to work whenever that day comes, and you go back and say, what did you get for Christmas? And you get to talk about those things. And then you have opportunity to say, but do you know what the real gift of Christmas is? We get about the gospel. The first thing we must do to make more of Jesus is to recognize who he is. The second thing is to remember what he has done. We're celebrating his birth, but it causes us to think back and think about all the things that he has done. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. See, the limitations of our gifts... We remember. I remember some of the greatest gifts I've ever been given because I still have them and I still use them. But if you know what a swap site is, if you're familiar with that, that's where all your Christmas presents will probably end up one day. You'll use it, you'll utilize it, or you won't, and you'll sell it someday. Somebody else will love it, somebody else will like it. But the reality is when we remember what those things did for us and we remember what they brought us, it causes us to think, wait a minute, the ultimate gift given that we recognize at Christmas is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we realize the importance of what he's done. 
If we truly hold to Scripture and we live according to what it says, we never find the end of the value of Jesus' life lived perfectly, sinless on our behalf. His death on the cross taking our judgment for us and then being freely offered by faith all of those who call upon his name for salvation would be saved. This is what we remember that Jesus did. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And then 1 Timothy 1.15-17 The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul speaking to a younger Timothy, telling him of the importance of remembering what it is that Jesus does. We look at baby Jesus not realizing that as Mary would look on, he would be raised to die as a sacrifice. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You need to make more of Jesus because time is limited. For some, it's the first Christmas without a loved one, and it's difficult. But when Jesus has been received by that loved one, we know that in the future, all of those things will pass away. All of those pains, all of those difficulties will be gone because we will meet with Christ. And we will be reunited together as we worship and glorify him. To make more of Jesus, recognize who he is. To make more of Jesus, remember what he has done. And third, to make more of Jesus, realize what you're supposed to be doing. To realize something, it's to become fully aware and understand it clearly. Guys, I know, bless our hearts, that's what we have to say. We get a thing for our kids and we're like, ah, put that together, right? Just nod your head if you've been there before. You're like, no, I'll just put it together. Look, make it look like the box. I had Legos when I was younger. I had the 4,000, I'm sure, piece castle. And I got it and I was excited. You opened it up, you dumped them all out. Sounded like a small hurricane as you dumped all those Lego pieces out. And I started to put it together. It looked pretty simple. You just kind of stack it all together and make it look like a castle on the front of the box. And I was pretty good. I got pretty close. But the reality was it wasn't very functional. It didn't do very much. It had a drawbridge, but every time you pulled a little string to do the drawbridge, the whole wall would fall over. And the little stable that the horses were supposed to go in, it would just smash to pieces. And it was all supposed to work right. My uncle saw this frustration on my part, came along and said, let's look at the instructions and see what we need to do here. It took about two and a half, maybe three hours. We followed the instructions. We got it all put together. The drawbridge worked. You could put the horses in. You could have knights. You could have battles. And the castle would hold. And it did exactly what it was supposed to do. I became fully aware of what I was supposed to do with the Legos. Last year was Lego Nightmare. I think we had three to four sets each for the kids. And it was like, Dad, can you put this together? Because they didn't know how to do it yet. They're starting to learn how to do it. But you need to become fully aware of who Jesus is. 2 Peter 3.18 
but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Being fully aware. We have a responsibility to let people know about Jesus. Not like the guy that was at the mall. Viral videos. Don't they abound when it's always somebody mean and cruel and dumb? It's a pastor walking through the mall shouting at people for what they're doing. I'm not going to tell you why. You'll look at that video up and you'll go, oh, it's so embarrassing. Shouting at people the way he's shouting at people. They will not receive the gospel because you shouted at them for what they're buying and what they're doing at the mall. But becoming fully aware of the need to relate to people, to use the symbolism of every single thing about this Christmas holiday. And it can be done. As you go forward, as you think about it, as you have that morning of just paper everywhere, as much as I will try to be organized, we put each kid in a corner. We send their gifts to them in the corner. They open their gifts. The paper should go right in the trash bag. But by the time it's all done, everybody's gifts are in everybody else's laps and everybody else's corner, and there's paper I think we still find. It's so much fun, though. But my children, as they grow older, are going to realize more and more about what it means to give a gift because God set that example for all of us. I want you to think, and as we get ready to light our candles, it's another symbolism, it's another imagery that we can look at that will help us see the need to share the gospel, to let our light shine before others. Each Sunday for the past few months, we close with the Great Commission or a commission as believers as what we're supposed to do. And we need to do the same thing here at Christmas. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. If you would, take your candles and let's stand together. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. I accepted Christ when I was... 12 years old, at a summer camp. And that was the time this was supposed to turn on. Got it. One of the exciting things is to pray with your children and talk with them. Lincoln, would you come up and light your candle? Or Sarah. Come on up, Sarah. I want you to light your candle. I want you to take it to your brother. Just walk slow. And as Aaron lights his candle, he'll turn and light Sophie's candle. And she'll turn and light one of her sister's candles. And then we'll see that spread. And as that's spreading, and as you're watching the little ones, depending on the age of the people who have a candle, be very careful. Watch out for the other people in front of you, but if they have the candle, be, be mindful of that. I want to read these two passages, and I want you to see how dark it is right now, and just think about it, and realize how dark it will stay if we ignore these passages of Scripture. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. 
These candles are symbolic. I think it's only right that we would sit here and say, well, this is really taking a long time to light all these candles. Well, it is, and that's okay. So if you will, turn around and light someone's candle behind you. And we'll watch how it multiplies and how it spreads. going to sing a closing song here together and we'll keep passing those lights as we go.